Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Well again, welcome everybody. I'm Pastor Nathan Mugas, pastor here at Elk River Lutheran and it's a privilege to celebrate these festival days of Reformation Day and Confirmation and uh, Halloween as well with you all this morning. Um, Our theme for this morning, what I want to talk about is this, is the idea that you can make a difference and we, all of us together, can make an even greater difference. In the bulletin, there's a couple little quotes there that I'll refer to a little later. If you want to follow along or online, they'll be on the screen as well. Uh, But the main idea of this thing that I want to talk about today is the notion that me, I, and this individualism that kind of comes along with it is not nearly as powerful or life-giving as we. The gift of being in community and living together and doing life together. And so it's from me to we. That's what we'll be doing. And so to start, I want to start by sharing the story of a 19th century French sociologist. Oh, yes, I know. It's very exciting. 200 years ago, there was a guy named Alexis de Tacobila. Isn't that a good name? Alexis de Tacobila. And uh, if you want to Americanize it a little bit, it might be easier to remember if you just said Al Tacoville. Okay? So, Alexis de Tacoville or Al Tacoville. And what happened was he was sent to the United States by the French government to actually to study the American prison system. Uh, America has been pretty good for a long time at putting people in jail. Not a great thing to be good at, but that's what brought him here. But in his time here, he actually traveled the country and studied all of American kind of political and cultural you know, life. And in the end, he ended up writing a book. And in this book, he talks about the differences he saw here in America versus what he had experienced living in Europe and in other European countries. And the main things that he lifted up as just that set America apart in some amazing ways was just this, this diverse tapestry of culture and religion and foods. If you went to a town, a community, whether it was a big community or a small one, you met a bunch of people who didn't just all eat the exact same foods or even necessarily always speak the same language. There was this diversity of culture and ethnicities that there was a rich diversity that just was different than you would find in these European nations. And so he lifted that up as this great strength of America, but then in the same breath, he also identified what was a weakness or a blind spot that he saw in our American experience, and he called it individualism. 
This idea that, like we were talking about, it's a focus on me and I over the good and value of the whole community. And so here's what he wrote in this book in 1835. He wrote a book called Democracy in America, where he says this about individualism. Here's how he defines it. He says, individualism is a mature and calm feeling which disposes each member of the community to sever himself from the mass of his fellows and draw apart from with his family and his friends so that after he has thus formed a little circle of his own, he willingly leaves society at large to itself. So he saw 200 years ago that America had this habit of dividing up into little groups and subcultures and subclasses. So while we had this rich diversity of experience and lifestyles, we kind of had a habit of clumping together and even just to on our individual level, finding to be just caring more about ourselves as individuals than the community as a whole. What do you think you'd see now 200 years later if he came back and looked at our country? <laughs> I don't think it's got wildly better. If anything, he would probably find some pretty striking examples of individualism even rearing its head in many and new ways. Like, uh, have you ever been in a room where everyone's just kind of looking down at their phones and uh, not really visiting in person? Uh, have you ever been in a place where, you know, we, we have these mottos about how, you know, it's me, 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 you know, and we care about what we have and what we want and what we need, sometimes at the detriment to the community as a whole. And so the idea here this morning is that as people of faith, we are called to move from me to we. That individualism that is so baked into this American experience isn't the only way and it can't be the end for us. That we need to move towards we in an experience of community. And the thing is, it's good when we do it. It's good for us and it's good for our communities because, after all, I, I have this theory that all of the most fond memories that we have, the best memories of great times and places are all rooted in a communal experience. Here's what I mean. A more specific example, think of the best vacation you've ever been on. What are some of the memories from that best vacation ever? Start thinking about some of those things and I'm guessing... You're maybe thinking of the place you went, maybe thinking of the time it was, how old you and other people were, but I'm guessing the core of the memory and what makes it so great is the people who were there with you, the people you experienced it with. That's always the case for me. I know in 2015, my wife Annie and I, we went on a big road trip, like 8,000 miles big around the western part of the United States, a big loop, and we did it with a one-year-old. Uh, yes, I survived. Uh, Teddy, our one-year-old, was with us, and it was, it was a lot of miles, and we covered a lot of ground, and we visited some of the biggest and coolest cities in this country. We visited eight national parks, and so uh, it's all these great memories we made, and we, when we got back, we made a little scrapbook, a little photo album of pictures, because we knew Teddy wouldn't remember because he was only a year old, and so over the years, we flipped through those pictures, and the funny thing that I've found is that we have some pictures of some really cool places, you know, like the Hollywood sign, the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, we have national parks with big, huge redwood trees. And, like, there was cool places that we went on that trip. 
But when we flip through that photo album, the photos that we stop and talk about the most and reminisce about are the ones with people. All the kind of landscapes and beautiful scenery, we kind of, oh, that's interesting, and flip past. But oh, the time we spent with family and friends and the experiences of that, that is what we cling to and tell him about and we ourselves remember and celebrate. I think that's the power of we. It's the power and the blessing of experiencing community. That is what leaves the biggest mark and memory. So uh, it is Confirmation Sunday, and so I think this is the time where ninth graders, I have a confession to make to you. I went to Confirmation when I was in seventh and eighth grade, and I'm now going to recite to you everything I remember that I learned in Confirmation. None of it. None. I, I don't remember any of the lessons. I had to learn it all again in seminary, I think. Uh, I don't remember. I'm sure we looked at the small catechism. I'm sure we you know, had some kind of a handout or a workbook at some point. I don't remember any of that. So I'm so grateful that you all remember every lesson that I've ever taught. And it warms my heart to know that you, you'll remember it all, unlike me, just a bad student. So even though I don't remember the lessons, though, here's the crazy thing. I do remember confirmation. I remember the friends that I went through it with. I remember uh, these great friends who I'm still connected with. My eye doctor, a clinic in Maple Grove, I got confirmed with a lot of years ago. It's just so fun to continue to have these relationships. And not only that, but I actually do remember the pastor who confirmed me. I remember because he's been still a part of my life. He was at my wedding. He was at my ordination. I'm still just so grateful for him. He gave me this cross when I got ordained. And then my church was full of all these people who I knew cared about me. And that's what I want you to know and take away as well. Uh, this church that I grew up in was full of people who when we had the Christmas program and I had a, a part, they told me, oh, you did so good. Even when I did not do so good, they told me, oh, you sang so nice. I did not sing so nice, but bless their souls, they told me that. They were there when my grandma died because she was a part of that church too. And so it was a family coming together. They were there to love and support me. So I remember the church and all of these things. So those specific lessons and the little you know, terminology and all the things I was supposed to learn, some of that came and went. But the relationships and the blessing that they were, those have stuck with me for years and years still today. That's my hope and prayer for you ninth graders and for all of us as Elk River Lutheran Church for this faith community because we are at our best as a church when we are connecting with one another, when we are doing life together and just when everyone who comes here feels known and loved and as a part of a community. That's when we're at our best. And that's always been the case for the church. If you go back to the Bible, in Acts chapter 2, when it's talking about what life is like for these first Christians, these first followers of Jesus, here's what it says. In these just few verses, I want you to notice how many times the word all and together are used. It is a, a faith that is deeply based in being together and holding, <laughs> doing life together. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute their proceeds to all as any had need. 
Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. There was this notion that by simply gathering together for worship and sharing meals together and showing up for each other when they were going through something, that in that there was this deep power and people in the community saw that this is a group of people that care about each other and not only about each other, but they collect all their resources and they work to do good in the community. It was something that people wanted to be a part of and that's why that church grew and grew so fast because They were caring about more than just me. It was we. It was all about the community. And that is what God calls us to. That last verse that we heard read this morning from Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We don't have to do good works to make God happy. God loves us unconditionally no matter what. That's the gift of grace. God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. That's a line from Martin Luther, our reformer. Our neighbors do need our good works. Our community needs us to be doing good. And so what we celebrate is that you can make a difference, every one of you here, but we together can make an even greater difference. On Friday, we had the downtown trick-or-treat event here. It was the first big community event that we've done here at the church since really the pandemic started. And we had thousands of kids come through. We had asked everyone to donate candy. And so we had, uh, we said, you know, we need about 7,000 pieces of candy. That's a lot. Uh, Can you donate candy? We had donations of like 10,000 pieces of candy from everyone at the church. A lot, a lot of candy. And so we do have some left over, but not as much as you might think because kids just kept coming and coming, families, and it was a chance to celebrate and just provide this fun, safe, loving event. It was great. But we not only provide uh, kids with a bunch of sugary snacks, but did you know that this year to date, we've donated to CARE, our local food shelf CARE, as a church, we've donated over $19,000 to CARE. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, you can give some applause to that. It's amazing. It's a huge gift that's making a big difference in this community, helping people have food and their basic needs met. I couldn't just go down to CARE and write a $20,000 check. I don't know about you, but we together, when we work together, we can have this major impact and be a force for good in this community. And that's what we're doing as a church. It's a beautiful thing. One of my favorite ways that we make a difference in this community and as a church in each other's lives is also just the simple thing of showing up for each other. Like I mentioned, these examples of, you know, when my grandma died and people came to the service, these ways of showing up when we're going through things really matters. And when we can be there for each other, it's a powerful thing. The Apostle Paul, again, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he ta- or in 12, he talks about uh, this image of the church being like the body of Christ and the body has all different parts, right? There's hands and feet and uh, ears and eyes and I don't know what part of the body you might relate most to, but he says it doesn't matter because we need all those different parts working together or else the body doesn't work the way it was intended. He says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one, so it is with Christ. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, 
all rejoice together with it. Sometimes we go through some pretty heavy and difficult stuff. And the blessing of being a part of a community is that there are people connecting with us, supporting us, loving us, and helping us to get through that. And also, when some are honored, we all rejoice. Today, we rejoice and celebrate you with you ninth graders as you get confirmed here as a part of this service. We celebrate with you and we commit to not only just celebrating with you this day, but being there with your continued faith development and journey. We are the body of Christ, each of us a different part, all working together for good and having a big impact. Like I mentioned, I don't remember all the lessons from confirmation, but there's plenty that I have taken away from that. I'm so thankful for a church that raised me and loved me and still does today. Some people are probably tuning in online from North Dakota because of that. It's an amazing thing. And that is what I hope for not only you ninth graders, but for all of you here. To have a faith community where you feel loved and supported and known. And by gathering together, we can make a difference and share that love with this community. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.